Paris in the fall, the last months of the year and the end of the millennium. The city holds many memories for me, of cafes, of music, of love, and of death. Hello and welcome to the Press the Action Button podcast where two nerds talk about the things that they enjoy. My name is Newman. And my name is Yusuf. And today we're going to be talking about Broken Sword Shadow of the Templars. Yeah, yeah. The old PC uh, point and click game. Yeah. My, to- my top 10 games, definitely. Really? Um, yeah, Absolutely. And I'll tell you why as we're going into it. But before all that, you know, actually, I usually have witty kind of starts to come up with, you know, one nerd, one something. I don't think you but do. I, I, yeah, I do. But I completely forgot this time. So, you know, I just have to go with two nerds. Okay. Yeah, that'll do. You seem glum. So, you seem low of energy. No, not at all. Not at all. No, just had my second coffee of the day. Um, back from a walk. Um, but yeah, it's a great day. So, you know. That's yeah, probably why. But anyway, how are you, Yusuf? What you been up to? Uh, I'm good. I had a nice week. I had a nice, exciting birthday week. Um, ah, I'm sorry. Yeah, thirteenth birthday. How how rude of me. <laughs> well, you talk to me on my birthday, so it's fine. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you uh, gave me a shout out on the last podcast, so you know, happy birthday, Yusuf. I thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so it was. Sorry, there was a siren going by. I'll cut that out. <laughs> so it, I heard it. Um, so it was a bit of a odd kind of birthday, like what you were saying last time, where it was a mm. quarantine birthday. So I was actually going to come home to Ireland for it, and I was going to have like a little barbecue, maybe if the weather was good for the uh, mm. long weekend. But I mean, it was so long ago, I realized that wasn't going to even remotely happen. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I was going to be a bit reserved. But uh, I must say, Sarah did a great job uh, of setting things up. And got me a massive cake. Um, I seen it. Yeah, it looked really nice. Yeah, because the smallest cake they did was like for fifteen people or something. So mm. um, yeah, so no, I, I had a lovely day. I had the day off work, so I really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was sunny, and ordered food. Had a good time. Mm. It's crazy for me to think that you're thirty years old now. It is mad. Um, you're still seven in my head, you know. <laughs> but it's just like been an adult for over. <laughs> you don't need to give me the year breakdown and i know you're 30 so i don't know yeah. but for me it feels so weird because you know like i think cause you know you know what i think it is right you know when you're a kid and you're so defined by the year you're in yeah you know what I mean? yeah like, you know third classes seem so much bigger than second classes true and I think when you're going there bit by bit by bit, and then you're like, okay, now you're 18, now you're finished school, and then no one cares about age anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. I, and I remember as well when we were kids, and like Andy and me saying to each other, imagine when we're going to be like 17. It's going to be crazy, like, you know, this image of like American movies, like American Pie or something, you know, that you're just, you know, yeah. you're living that kind of life, or now you're stuck in in grey old mid-terraced houses doing usual <laughs> shit you know well, you so, also, yeah. the idea of when you're gonna be you know like you're a proper adult when you're 30 you know because you know when you're a kid and you'd imagine like a 40 year old 
it's just like an old guy who like who's bald and stuff like that exactly you know just like working in his job in his suit and doing his kind of normal thing whatever and then you're just like (laughs) yeah no i know people in their 50s and they you know act and think like me sometimes so it's just a very different idea yeah i'm still waiting for that stage where in your head you're like oh yeah i'm old now you know because i still feel much the same yeah you know but i think everyone's always i think everyone's just faking everyone is just terrified and screaming in their mind about the idea of what an adult in their position is meant to do you know yeah yeah grown-ups have it all got you know they know exactly what's going on they know it's ready but I'm so sure that there was times when like teachers were dealing with classes and their head they were going, I have absolutely no idea what I'm saying here. <laughs> or I, I hate you all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's why when they broke down in classes, sometimes they said that to everybody. And uh, <laughs> true colors came out. Yeah. You what? No, I said, and, and the true colors came out. Oh, right. I thought you said your, your mic is given out. No. Um, yeah. Well, like one thing's for sure when I was, you know, younger and imagining you know, a 35-year-old, it wasn't me sitting in a room recording a podcast with my youngest brother about video games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you never know. So what have you, have you been playing anything when you finished Final Fantasy VII? I did, yeah. Um, yeah, I won't say much about that. I did, but um, I started playing that uh, Resident Evil 3. Oh, I'm playing it as well at the moment. What? Oh, man, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about it yet. Um, she, they've made her look a lot like um, Natalie Portman, haven't they? You think so? I don't really. Yeah, yeah, Portman. yeah. They have. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm at like the very start. But um, right. yeah, I, I, I already feel that too is, is going to be a much more better, is a, you know, just an overall much better game. I think this will be. Well, if you remember, if you remember the original tree, it was it was a very different game to the others. Like, um, it completely moved away from the survival horror element of it. And yeah, al- although there was there was stuff like um, Code Veronica and everything as well, and a couple of other side games that came out. But um, like four was when they completely redesigned it from the ground up, and everybody was kind of going, "This needed to be done," and it worked really well. But, um, was that the one with Chris in Africa and stuff? With, no, four was no. the one with Leon where he comes back and he's. It's where they're like in the. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember where the, the the zombies are more like kind of villagers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. The five was really good as well. I never that played that. Chris. I'm wanting, I'm waiting to get five. I've got a. Uh, I'm going to get on the switch. I never actually got around to it. Um, yeah, I believe that's good. I believe six is terrible. Uh, yeah, six is supposed to be just like an action game, complete action game. Like you've like rifles at the start and everything. Well, in the Resident Evil Three, the original one, you start off with a machine gun. Yeah, but that's what I don't really like about it. I don't like the fact that I've got so much ammo and I'm not really afraid of anything yet. Even, even the nemesis, I didn't really find him scary. Did you? Um, I mean, at the very beginning, at like the sequence, at the very beginning, where he's just running through like the floors of the house, and that's not a spoiler. It's in like the intro of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like. You know, it's just like okay, this is you know, this is more than Mister X. I don't. I found Mister X scarier already. I yeah, I think Mister X. I think Resident Evil Two is a scarier game, and like I'm, I'm enjoying Resident Evil Three so far. But I think Resident Evil Two was better. But I think the original Resident Evil Two was better. You know? Yeah, probably true. Like they did try and get away from survival horror to action gaming. I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're very different type of games. Uh, like Resident Evil 3 was always quite short by comparison. And mm. you have to play through it once. Which is why this has that Resident Evil resistance thing with it. Did you get that? I assume you did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, so I um, played that. Yeah, I've seen people play it online. And it's a bit of an online kind of thing where you start off as like these people and you have to go through kind of like these kind of maze rooms, like a mastermind is kind of in control and they can sort of lay traps for you or, you know, uh, spawn different uh, zombie enemies for you to have to deal with and that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, so, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I... I have just given you my very quick, you know, opinion so far. But um, yeah, listen, we're here to talk about Broken Sword. Right. Um, right. What do you mean, right? Right. As in, yes. Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of my, as I said, one of my top ten favorites ever. Um, I absolutely love this game. I I don't think you were as big of a fan, but um, I know you did like it. But what What do you remember about about this game? I thought I... you had like. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't as huge a fan for you. I think I was probably a little young to work out some of the things myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I remember is the art style of it. That's what I remember most of all. Exactly the same as me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked, you know, it, it was, I think it's the first time I got to play something that was that kind of interactive in that way that looked like, as in, I moved something that seemed like I shouldn't have been able to move. I moved like mm. a comic character or a cartoon across a cartoon kind of background. And I know you could do an Aladdin and uh, Lion King, you know, in those kind of old Disney games. But mm-hmm. uh, this felt a little bit different. And I'm going to now possibly annoy a lot of people and just go off on a tangent already. I want yeah. to talk to you. Because I remember we were talking about Lion King a while ago, right? And the remake. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to do this. Do you know about Kimba, the white lion? I No, and I don't want to. But I already don't like two things you've told me about it. Right. The name and the fact that it's a white lion. Go right. on. Well, anyway, let me turn your world upside down, you man. And what you don't like is Simba and the Lion King. Because the Lion King is a complete ripoff of Kimba the White Lion. Huh? Yeah. So, do you remember that episode of Simpsons, right? Where uh, Lisa's talking to the clouds in the sky, and one of them was beating Gums Murphy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the voices kind of pop up, and it's one of them is uh, Mufasa, and he says, uh, Kimba, yeah. I mean Simba. That was yeah. because Kimba the White Lion was a Japanese cartoon and manga that came out years before The Lion King, where the main hero was called Kimba. It was... You're kidding a, me. Yeah, it was about, like, a lion on this, like big kind of rock shaped exactly like pride rock there were hyena <sighs> villains there was a villain who, who was like a darker lion who had like a you know a scar on his eye the like characters appeared as clouds in the sky which they talk to and everything look oh at oh my it. god it is insane how similar it is that's that's i, I thought you were going to say kimba was a character they reintroduced into the remake or something no like, yeah. oh, oh god yeah, it, it, uh, I, I, well, I, I don't like Disney and I don't trust them. So you know, well, I'm not a huge, well, I'm not a huge fan of what they were before. Um, I think they're okay now because I do think, they, you know, like I think that some of the Pixar stuff they make now that they bought them and some of the Avengers stuff and MCU stuff has been really good. 
Um, they own everything though. Like they just own absolutely everything. They do. Yeah. It's yeah. such a monopoly on the market that it's like, it's hard to get away from. And when they got Star Wars, I was like, oh God. Well, they own Fox now as well. So they own Simpsons. Yeah. That's what I mean. They own everything. It's huge. Yeah. But yeah, you look at it. That's shocking. Google. It doesn't surprise me. Even even stuff like, you know, um, The Matrix and like Ghost in the Shell and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that kind of finds its birth in Japan and or the East and, you know, it's regurgitated in some sort of a Western kind of movie or film or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, you know, what I think did a really good job of that was, and this wasn't a rip off, this is more, I guess, an homage, um, but The Last Airbender, which is like this American made anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exceptional. It is brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it was really good. Did you ever watch the second yeah. season? I did. I don't know. It wasn't something that I kind of sat down and watched season by season. It's just something that I kind of saw every now and then. But I remember you were telling me it's one of the highest things on Metacritic, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like the... It's just it's just brilliant all around. It's just like it's it's funny. It's really good writing. It's you know an excellent world it builds. It's just I really recommend it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, sorry. I just wanted to talk to you about it. Kimba the White Lion. You're grand. I'm surprised and and shocked and disgusted, but you know. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, Actually, you know, off on a tangent now that we're talking about um, um, uh, (laughs) I'm losing my brain power here. The Last Airbender um, as being one of the highest rated games um, on Metacritic. Broken Sword was actually also one of the most highest rated adventure games ever. And um, when it came out, wow. um, I had got a quick look at, at the rank at the ratings here. So, uh, Metacritic got eighty out of eighty. Adventure Game was given five stars. Edge gave it nine out of ten. Gamespot gave it nine point two out of ten. And uh, PC Gamer gave it eighty uh, percent. Adventure Classic Gaming gave it five stars. And um, Generation Four gave it five stars. PC Games gave it an A. Um, it won awards so like best adventure game 1997 best quest from quest publications um, a couple of things that people said about the game so adventure gamers Angela Mooney commented that the game's deep and mysterious plot is designed to be thought provoking and highly entertaining at the same time GameSpot's Rebecca B. Anderson um, second rate reporter in comparison to Rebecca A. Anderson <laughs> found that the terrible <laughs> awful you know the kind of jokes I like. I didn't even get to Rebecca C. Anderson, so you know you're lucky I stopped there. But um, found <laughs> that the games that the games combination of real history and highly creative storytelling adds spice to an already entertaining adventure. And uh, Mark Wolf, Mark Wolf of PC Gamer US called the game visually stunning, praising the animated graphics as crisp and clear, and the artwork as simply beautiful. I have to agree with him and like that was one of the things that i that really kind of pulled me towards this game was the backgrounds uh the artwork the music that which was really really atmospheric and suited it so well and obviously the story like if i always think in my head that if i saw you know if i saw a painting of the settings in in broken sword i'd hang it up on my wall as a picture and would really feel like i was in that location you know yeah yeah it was it was amazing um and like uh, also so so funny though those are were the kind of things that kind of i remembered off the top of my head and i really enjoyed kind of um, rekindling my memories on this game you know doing bits of research because i just think that they don't make them like this anymore um you know the story on a t-shirt and just point to it (laughs) (laughs) introduced to anything new (laughs) to bother 
<laughs> well, tell me what game recently would be like this. This kind of in-depth story involving that hasn't a rip-off like Assassin's Creed. Uh, well, I haven't played like well from a point-and-click kind of game. I haven't played anything like that in years. Exactly. Yeah, uh, but I've, I've played one though. But it doesn't mean they don't exist or not good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just I'll tell you what. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn had a really good kind of uh, uncovering of, of past kind of story. It was brilliant. Okay. Well, I, I've yet to play that. I will. Yes, I, will play. I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. Listen, there's nothing wrong with me liking games that from the from the past. All right. Oh yeah. No, I'm in, I, I'm entitled to my opinion, and even if you don't agree with it, it's still right. No, so you will you'll come to agree with it eventually when you stop liking everything. There's nothing Yusuf wrong is with just liking. A poster boy for everything. He loves everything. There's nothing wrong be. with liking modern games. You know, it doesn't make you cool to not like and things. I am. Do you? I am the least person who's interested in being cool. That's have, you seen, have you seen my wardrobe? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, Yusuf, you're kind of like that guy from The Simpsons. You know, you're the opposite of the critic. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Everything is great in your book. <laughs> oh, no. but we're only talking about good things, though. Like, I don't want to play bad things. Yeah, well, okay. But anyway, that's my opinion that they don't make them like this anymore. But um, well, when you were talking about like the things which which I remembered kind of most of all, yeah, the, the art style was definitely a big part of it. Like what you said there earlier was also the comedy, mm. and uh, that's what made it kind of really put, uh, have a place in my mind because it, it was one of the first games I ever played where I remember just being like laughing out loud at just like little one liners and really, you know, yeah nice little quips that come out of the characters and they, they were all really likable characters as well yeah I, I i i i love and i love like george stobart man <laughs> i yeah. love his voice his voice is so great but um that was a thing as well that i kind of remember that like it's it's humor was not like just pure slapstick like monkey island it was kind of a little bit more self-deprecating you know witty kind of you know is it, it was I don't know. Like I just always think of it, it. It's kind of more based in realism than Monkey Island. Monkey Island is just completely wacky, you know, kind of uh, out there. You know, you're chasing a ghost pirate, you know, called the Chuck. Yeah. Um, whereas this is, and I did really enjoy Monkey Island as well, and maybe we'll do part of that sometime. But uh, this, this for me is above that, and I actually it sold more than Monkey Island, the Curse of Monkey Island as well. Would you believe? Um, yeah. Because I feel like Monkey Island and particularly stuff. Like LeChuck, characters like LeChuck seems to have more of a, I don't know, more of a cultural sort of re- resonance um, in like the gaming community than Broken Sword. It, but I mean, Broken Sword was a brilliant game, but it just seems yeah. like people have more of an uh, opinion on Monkey Island. Well, I think Monkey Island is has more of a cult following, you know. Maybe, um, yeah, yeah, because it is so slapstick, you know, and it is so kind of wacky and out there. And it is a great game. Um, I mean, some of the puzzles in this game kind of don't make sense. Um, you know, they're not they're not what you would think. And mm. um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get onto some of them, which really had people infuriated. Yeah, um, I know but, yeah, I don't want us to be jumping all over the place. I have a lot uh, on this, as I'm sure you do. Did you want to take us through development yeah. history? So I'll start back with it. So uh, this some Broken Sword was released in 1996, and quite interestingly, the sequel was released in 1997. So it came out pretty Ooh, quickly. Yeah. I didn't know that. Very quick, yeah. yeah. But um, but anyway, uh, so the first one was called Broken Sword: The Shadow of the Templars, um, and it was made by Revolution Software, which was uh, surprisingly a British company. There wasn't a huge amount of them out there. Mm-hmm. 
but it was founded by Charles Cecil. Uh, Not to be confused with Sideshow Cecil. Yes. <laughs> Continue. Very good. I don't want to. <laughs> Yusuf has hung up the phone. <laughs> um, and they, they founded this company in uh, 89. Um, actually, I, I found a lot of information about this from, um, do you know what uh, GDC is? Great. Darrier cartoon. Darrier. <laughs> I was going Great Barrier Reef, but it didn't work. Anyway, continue. Um, so it is the uh, Game Developers Conference. Um, they have ah. a, and um, it's quite interesting. They have a lot of people who talk about, you know, the games and how they make them and, you know, the different, depending on the type of game, the different ways they went about it and everything. And there was mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the videos of it are on uh, YouTube of different conferences. And one of them, very interestingly, is... Uh, from Charles Cecil himself, and he does this full like hour long talk about um, the first broken sword, how they went through making it, so that and it's quite interesting actually. So if anybody ah. is interested in uh, hearing it straight from him, um, you can find it on YouTube. It's called like a classic game post mortem of Broken Sword. Ah, he does it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually ah, him. that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, no wonder, no wonder you're going to have all the gold information for this podcast. <laughs> you're getting it straight from the horse's mouth wound up at me because I've done research <laughs> <laughs> you watched one video by the creator yeah okay so go on so they started so um, they found a company in 89 um, and before Broken Sword which was their biggest hit they made two games uh, Lure of the Temptress and Beneath a Steel Sky and mm-hmm. I love the name Beneath a Steel Sky I guess really yeah good. I, I think they're making a new one well, they've kind of, they did do a um, sort of remaster and report of that. Um, and it, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Well, it did quite well. Well, originally they came out in like 92 um, and Lure of the Temptress was like uh, for the Amiga and the Atari um, ST. And quite mm-hmm. interestingly, right? So when he was talking about this game, that was the first game they were making, they came up with the title of it, which was Lure of the Temptress. Mm-hmm. And the marketing were like, brilliant. You need to call it that, right? And mm-hmm. again, okay. Here's the problem. There's no Tetris in it and there's no luring in the game. <laughs> it is an unrelated title to anything that actually takes place in the game. So they gave <sighs> several more months to continue making it to put that into it. Oh my God. Isn't that ridiculous? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, that's fine by me. <laughs> that's like one of those signs where it's like, sex, now that I've, now that I've got your attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Okay, and yeah. Yeah, so he did end up putting the temperance in it. Yeah, so he then changed it a little bit. So that was also a, um, a point-and-click game, and that came out in '92. Um, and the next one, uh, Beneath Steel Sky, as well, that was in '94. Um, and then it was uh, Broken Sword that came out after that. So this game originally was going to be well. The plan they wanted to make was they wanted to make a Egyptian game, but. Mm. He had this plan, he went, and they were talking about what they were going to do, and uh, Charles Cecil said, oh, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff in Egyptian history, and they said, Egyptian games don't sell. So that was mm. it. Killed it. Dead. Okay, uh, Hold on a minute. Is this not his company? It's his company, but there's other people working there. You know what I mean? And they're telling him that they don't sell, and that's it, and he's going, okay. Well, I mean, I think part of it is, well, he, he said it was probably true. You know what I mean? That if, okay. you, if you start up this company, you know, just four or five years before you start developing this game and someone's yeah. like hey i know those last two went really well but i don't think this is a good way of going yeah fair enough fair enough yeah 
Uh, I thought you like he was talking to a marketing department or something. No, yeah, I think well, I think it was more of a, a discussion of it. So um, at the time, one of the people who was working on the game was reading um, a folk called Pendulum, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, Italian writer and philosopher Umberto Eco, right? Mm-hmm. And that game had um, some Templar history in it. Ah, okay. That's what gave them the idea for the game? Really? Yeah. That's, so, that, that's very funny because you know I, I've heard a lot of people say that this game uh, inadvertently, not inadvertently, but like you know, inspired um, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Cecil won't come out and actually say that. Like he said, oh, well, fans say that, you know, it did. So it's interesting to hear that people were in turn, you know, he got his idea for the game from another book as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he can't complain. Well, actually, he does go on and talks a bit about uh, Dan Brown and stuff like that. And he said, basically, the reason why he um, won't say that he thinks they got the idea from it is because some uh, strongly uh, worded letters from lawyers Oh, they arrived. Um, they what? They arrived to him. They sent him letters. What kind of, yeah, they, when people were kind of bringing up the attention, they were like, look, no, this isn't your IP. You know, we don't owe you any money about it. Just, you know, be uh, okay. ready to be, you know, uh, face some legal action if you make any claims about this. Uh, <sighs> allegedly, allegedly, that's that's the story. Yeah. yeah. And people went crazy for that Dan Brown book as well. Do you remember? Like, we were... Yeah growing up during that time it's like I mean, come on like it's not that big of a deal and then they made it into the um, films yeah I don't like Tom Hanks as an actor I mean you're wrong here I'm not wrong he's just annoying I don't like annoying. him what about I want to like him what, what about Forrest Gump uh, that's the only movie I like him in what about Saving Private Ryan don't remember it you don't remember Saving Private Ryan no or, or, I mean, it's an excellent, excellent film. Uh, what mm. about The Green Mile? Yeah, moderately. But in other movies, I don't like him. I just don't like him. I saw him in that Terminal. Oh, Terminal. that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Where he's stuck in the airport. Yeah, well, I haven't seen that. I believe it's based on... I, I extremely, like, you know, roughly, in that someone was, you know, lost his... It, but they did... It, the story has nothing to do with a real story. Yeah, you know, here's he's, hel- he's helping. Yeah, it's it. It was you know, ah, it was it was trying to be heartwarming to the point of making you want to get sick. Oh God, you miserable shit! <laughs> I am not miserable. There was this one scene where like there's this cleaner at the airport and he's trying to help him fall in love with someone else, and it's just like. Hey, you have to see it. I, I mean, I love mushy movies. I cry. I cry at the drop of a hat. So don't yeah. give me that. Anything that happened like previous to the seventies, it's the only time. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. What about Toy Story? No, he's not acting in that. He's just doing his voice. You can't. Comp- what voice acting is a huge thing. He doesn't. Yeah, but he, I mean, you can't judge him as an actor by voice by his voice. What you can? What about like Robin Williams in the Aladdin? Well, he's fabulous in that. <laughs> But you're judging him off his voice. But uh, but, Tom, Tom, but listen, Robin Williams changes his voice a million times in that movie. He sings, he does wacky other voices in that. You cannot compare him doing one voice for Woody. To, you seem to, to find him. the quantity of the number of voices somebody does as a role. Of course. The ability to act in it. No, because he creates the character. 
Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I found this out recently is that there's a toy, a woody toy, and um, he has sayings, yeah? I got a bear- bamboo. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. And he, um, it, it's not even Tom Hanks doing it. It's his brother, and no one even noticed. <laughs> so Maybe his brother sounds like him. He does sound like him, but if you don't notice, then he's obviously not doing that great a job. What if his brother's really good? What if his brother's even better? No, I think they're both average at best. You think they're I'm not against this. I'm not nothing against the brother. Can you move on from Tom Hanks? I don't like him. All right. right. I want to like him. I do, you but know, I just don't. You've no basis on it, and I just I want to make that clear. And no. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so anyway, there's some stuff with the Da Vinci code on it because I was also a Templar thing. Yeah, but they got it from this book. Um and they, they, he said that, uh, Charles Hessel said, it is quite interesting with it where they started with the backstory. And he said, that's not what you're ever supposed to do, right? Where they just found it really interesting. They found the idea of this stuff quite interesting. Um, and they wrote that kind of idea of like the hidden kind of story with it. And I mean, big chunks of it are true, you know, um, about there being like tunnels under uh, Paris or being catacombs and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Charles Cecil and his uh, wife, who had a part in uh, making Revolution games, or Revolution Software, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, they would go on holidays to these destinations and they would go and get inspired from it. And he would love to go and see these old historical sites and everything and would mm-hmm. you know, inspire a lot of the scenes in the game, which is probably why it looks so brilliant, is because they're really based off real life um, environments and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you cover this part in your. Did you do much about the art style? Did you look into that? I have yeah, I have, that. A, I have a little bit to say about that. So Go on. Yeah. They were going to uh, worry about the, the art style. So they had drawn up a little bit first, right? And then Charles Cecil was wondering, you know, like we got to make this look differently because this is going to be the first time it was going to move away from like the old um, Atari and Amiga games and stuff like that. So this is going to be on um, PC and PlayStation and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he went to Ballyfermot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Dublin, Ballyferma College. Um, and he said that um, when they were drawn up, the like he showed the art style to, what was his name? Owen Cahill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe Neil Breen also worked on it too. But he said mm-hmm. he showed it to Owen Cahill and he was, goes, this wasn't drawn by a layout artist, was it? Mm-hmm. And he goes, no. And goes, right, well, hang on. And he went and he drew this thing and he said it was brilliant. He said it was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. He hired him there and he was doing, the, he did all the, art style for every scene that was in the game yeah he did all he did all the backgrounds um yeah. and apparently they drew them by hand and then colored them in on photoshop but th- that guy i wish i could track him down i wonder if he's still in dublin and i could just find wherever he is and say listen i love your work can you give me a job please um you know i find i find i put myself sorry go on you can't draw why would he give you a job <laughs> I'm advertising myself in every podcast for someone to hire me, even though I have a job. So that that should show you how much I want to be in the games industry, guys. I've got great ideas, you know. But you're going to do your great ideas to just you know hang around with someone you like. Well, I mean, you know, 
it it courses through my veins to love of games. I'm sure I can add something. Um, okay. Yeah, and as well as that, it was the animated cutscenes were done by, um, unfortunately, late Mike Burgess of Red Rover Animation Studios. Mm. He did all those cutscenes, and uh, that cutscene that I especially loved at the start, you know, where George is just sitting outside the cafe, yeah. and a, a balloon is shoved in his face, which he bursts with the toothpick that he just happens to have in his mouth, and the, the clowns behind it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful colors, beautiful atmosphere. And that is, um, you know, I remember watching that movie, Indie Games, or that documentary, Indie Games movie. You saw yeah. it, didn't you? No, I And you know, like, you haven't. Uh, no, well, there's a guy on it who's famous in, in the industry called Phil Fish. Um, I think it's Phil Fish. He did that game. Um, no, it's, 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 it was around that time as well. But it's just like you're one character and like the, the environments move around you. Like it's like, you know not 3d but like as you turn the whole world turns and stuff oh i don't know i don't know i can't remember what the name of it is but um he was saying that you know when he made the when he made the game he wanted to just kind of make it uh, uh to be a nice place for people to kind of be oh. do you know what i mean and i kind of really um i really i really like that idea because sorry the game's fez i just looked it up there oh. i don't know if you but um but i didn't think that that game was that visually it was like kind of so blocky but this is a game broken sword that i that is a place that i want to be like i would just turn it on just to look at the environments and just to like you know be in the atmosphere and take up the ambience of all the places that he is you know and and the fact that like you're saying that cecil went to all these different countries it's very apparent because like it is so atmospheric and i just love that's also a reason why i kind of love um also, those movies, the Bourne movies, you know, because he's oh, in all these kind of cool countries and like, you know, you're getting to see them. I really like atmosphere and, and this is one of the most atmospheric games I've ever played, which is why I love it so much. Well, I mean, it, it does do like, you know, when he's just in that cafe in Paris and it's just sunny and it's peaceful and it's the idea of just, yeah. and just, you know, relaxing and taking in that. You know, that, that, that place does just seem like a wonderful place to be. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's relaxing and like, yeah, that's, I think that's a trick that people kind of miss a bit these days, you know? That's right. And yes, I did say that. Aren't good anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I know what I like. (laughs) It's what everything you've already seen. That's what you like. No. Um, Anyway, go on. Actually, just speaking of a place we wanted to be, when we were saying last week about um, Ocarina of Time, when Mm -hmm. Link wakes up in his little treehouse home thing in the Kokiri village, I want to be there so much. It just seems, really, yeah. It just seems so cool. Mm, not for me. I just, I don't know. It just it, like, well, I've always wanted a treehouse as a kid. Um, yeah, I mean, the yeah. idea of just you, being in that thing and having his own space and his own freedom. I'd be immensely bored after five minutes, but you know. Well, you you keep falling out of it, Yusuf, because you know <laughs> you can't catch anything. You still can't catch a ball. I'd say <laughs> I can catch a ball. <laughs> I'm gonna put you to test because I really don't think you can. Gonna throw it at me, <laughs> <laughs> possibly. But anyway, anyway let's go with um, So actually, uh, Charles Cecil was saying that when he was working with uh, Owen Cahill, he had some little bit of difficulty with him, where he said that uh, they were brilliant, but he said it took him excruciatingly long to draw each one, each uh, background, um, mm. and apparently he used to ring up from uh, Dublin. He used to ring up the offices in uh, in the UK or whatever. And he would just kind of be like, hey, yeah, um, I just want to start talking about this stuff. And he would do it at like five to six every day. And he would talk for so long that um, the rest of the artists working at Revolution and the rest of 
the developer drinking revolution said if he calls us up anymore and does this we're all gonna leave because it's taking so long to do this stuff and everyone was like real sick of him uh, he was doing this own cal yeah 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 oh god yeah uh so charles was like but this guy's actually brilliant he's a, he, he said that he was so talented that mm. he was actually really good at motivating charles in particular doing it but he needed to sort of um direct that a bit better so he said that Owen would only be able to call him from now on which said was good because it helped him you know it pushed him to make things even better because uh Owen was just so talented naturally talented the way he saw things and did things made mm. us want to make it better and stuff like that but yeah but he mm. wasn't allowed to talk to the other members of the team uh, they, well sometimes you get that with someone who's outrageously talented like you know their social awareness isn't as you know sharp as it should be yeah i mean if he's just loves creating this this art and he's doing such a good job of it and the detail i'm sure he's really getting into it and we know it took a long time yeah his you know idea of it's being five six i need to go home now but like do you ever work like you know you put on your jacket you grab your bag you're ready to walk out and someone's just starts talking to you and you're like what the hell are you doing i know i had a manager that used to ask me all the time oh my gosh and she was doing it on purpose as well Uh your manager your manager makes a huge difference to how happy you are guys if you don't like your manager get another job i'm just saying seriously i yeah i had a job in um maybe i won't say i had a job um a retail job on uh grafton street and we had a manager swap and i think seven staff left uh, within two Mm -hmm. Yeah, huge, um, makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And the, the place only had like about eight staff. Like people came in and left in a short period of time. And mm. Yeah, so it definitely does. Don't let, don't let uh, a manager make you unhappy. It's not good. Mm-hmm. No. Um, but anyway, I, I, don't, I don't mean to kind of cast Owen in that same light because I do think he, you know, he did get on quite well with Charles Cecil. And I mean, he was a big part of why we love this game. Our style mm-hmm. is brilliant. Well, mm-hmm. um, I... But you saying that makes me not want to work with him anymore. So I rescind my offer <laughs> of a job. Owen, sorry. Neil Breen, if you're out there, maybe you're a bit better. So I'm, I'm available. I tell you, I, I had this, um, when I was looking for, because I'm freelance, you know, and you go, you apply to different places and stuff. Um, I applied to this one place months ago. It was just a um, speculative um, inquiry, it was called, a special form on the website, where there wasn't any specific job advertised. They just see if, you're, if there's anything, if they wanted to take you on with your skill set. So mm-hmm. I sent it in and I didn't even think back. And then I got another job. I was working somewhere else. And then I think it was six months later, they sent me an email. They're like, hi, yeah. Do you want to <laughs> apply for this, you know, for this role or whatever? And I wrote back and I go, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I have work at the moment. So no, no, thank mm-hmm. you. And then they wrote mm-hmm. back like two days later going, hey, we're sorry to say the role has been filled, but thank you for applying. I was like, I didn't apply to the job. Oh my God. Was this an agency by any chance? No, it wasn't. Because uh, yeah, agents, uh, they have a. Uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, it was just the idea of them kind of going like, "Oh yeah, do you want this job?" And I go, "No, no, thank you. I I have work and stuff." Like that. And I go, "Oh, sorry, you didn't get the job." I was like, "I didn't want the job." <laughs> They're <laughs> hilarious. The job. Yeah. That actually reminds me the other day. Anya got a phone call from a telemarketer, right. and um, like they were like, "Oh, blah blah blah," uh, and whatever they were selling, they were like, "Oh, are you a smoker?" And Anya's like, no. And they hung up the phone. What? <laughs> yeah, because obviously they're trying to sell their product. But my beautiful wife was so annoyed, she called them back. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, don't you hang up on me. I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> and hung up on them. 
Did you actually do this? She did. I and fair play to her as well. You know, I just like as soon as you know you're not going to make a sale, just hanging up the phone. How dare they? I have so much more respect for Anya now. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's str- like, you know, she's a newborn. Well, she's six months old now and uh, a toddler, you know, when I'm working upstairs. So, you know, if people are going to be calling her, it wants to be worth her time. I know. But, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? Um, what, where were we? <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So own uh, own Cahal worked on the uh, on the art style for it and everything. Um, and can I say, UK people, it's not Cahill, it's Cahill. So please, you know, I'm a Chelsea fan, and yeah. you almost have me ca- calling him Gary ca- Cahill. Not yeah, Cahill. it is weird. Um, Cahill. I'm saying for Tim, uh, the Australian player. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, it, well, they say Cahill, but it should be Cahill. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. True. Um, but yeah, well, you know, like, I don't understand, right? Doherty. Why did I say Doherty? Oh, I hate that. That's one of the ones that I hate the most. I don't know. I was, I was talking to some mates of mine because we were talking about Matt Doherty, the, the Wolves player. Yeah. And, and like, you know, like, I understand that um, I, we don't pronounce like TH correctly, you know? Like, we, mm-hmm. you know, for, we say like the number three the same way we would say like a tree that grows and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. fair enough. I understand that, whatever. There, there's like, it's just a way that we pronounce the, the T and the H together. But I remember going, what is it? What is the reason behind it? And none of them knew why they did it. I was like, but why do you put a K in there? And they're like, it's I like, they were like, it's like Pete uh, Doherty, isn't it? And I was just like, he's also Doherty. And they were like, oh, right. And they're like, and none of them knew. They, they weren't even aware that they did it. You know, something else that annoys me that uh, British people say, okay. the, comp- the competition is hotting up. I've never heard that. Yeah, they're always saying it, hotting up. It's like it's heating up. It's like, look it up. They're always saying it, always on TV. It's like it's heating up, guys. Get that right. I'll keep an ear out for it. Anyway. Huh? No, I'll keep an ear out for it. Anyway. Good. You're complaining. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, um, as I was saying before, when they, when they were making this game, they were looking at the, um, at, at the backstory of it, and then they built the world around it which he said that mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do. You should build the storyline first and whatever. But they were just so interested by this idea of, of the Templars. Um, and then he said that he wanted to make these characters that were meant to be quite different, which is where George Stobart comes into it as a mm-hmm. Californian, relaxed American. And then, um, what's her name? Uh, Nicole Collard, who was meant Nicole to be... Nicole Collard? Yes. You have to say every French word in fr- properly, please, this podcast. I mean, they do say them really well. Like, uh, well, I think it's well. <laughs> it seems like it's a good French accent. Um, but like the way she was meant to be like really driven kind of character and stuff. So, um, but he said they were also meant to be, he didn't want to make them stereotypical. So he said they were archetypes, which he said was basically a, the same way of saying it. Um, because yeah. like, he's got like the... Um, like the waiter and stuff like that in the restaurant who doesn't really like him and everything. And then the uh, police officer who doesn't really like him. He said, these were based off real people he met when he was in France. Really? Yeah, so he's, he's British though. Oh, right. Okay. okay yeah, yeah. But the French general, well, some French don't like uh, British people or don't like English people. So he said that when he saw the, um, like a waiter, when he was going to go sit down somewhere, guy came over and he's quite nice. And as soon as you realize they were English, uh, mm. he said he just became very rude to them and he didn't like them <laughs> so he said he took them in the game to get back at them 
that's brilliant I, I that's actually one of the things I, I remember is is how funny it was and like how many times they refer like people in the game refer to him as like the American or something yeah <laughs> like if, if you remember at the start like there's a lot of funny lines but like when he's um walking away from the cafe and the cop and the inspector come in like and he's like you know put your hands up you know and uh George is like I'm innocent I'm an American He's like, can't make, can't make up your mind, eh? <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, yeah, great, great lines in this game. Really well written. Mm, yeah. I think George is kind of a bit stereotypically American, but I love the fact that he's just this guy sitting in a cafe and he's like taking off on this whirlwind adventure. Like if I was on a holiday by myself somewhere and then like this happened to me, I'd be a very happy man. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from the brushes with death. But, you yeah, those things. Um, so I mean, that's kind of it as as far as the development of it, of it went. They they had the backstory first, and then they built the thing, the main kind of story around it. Um, and when he also said one thing that was quite interesting, from the general history, the Templars were were always painted as good guys, although we, we know now they weren't. Um, mm. But he said when he was making the story, he didn't really know how to make the game like that. So what he did was he made them the new Templars. So it's ah, okay. a group of it, which is a way that they mm-hmm. can be the villains because they, you know, they have their history and all this kind of storyline of, and they didn't, and they wanted to make them the villains. Uh, of mm-hmm. the so that's the way that they did it. And yeah. I've got a couple of other things about bits they did differently throughout the game, but maybe that's more important as we kind of get into it. Um, mm-hmm. so I'll talk maybe more about the gameplay. Yeah, so um, as most of you know, if you played it, it's a point-and-click adventure game. And you had a lot of different options and how to interact with your environment. So you could like um, an, an eye would come over something when you can just look at something and then inspect it. And, and George would give you his idea of what he's seeing and um, possibly also giving you a hint of what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd see a cog, uh, cog wheels when you could interact with something. Um, you'd see like a, a mouth moving where you could talk to someone and uh, you see a hand um, uh, doing a kind of picking up motion where you could pick up an item uh, and like pointing to direction where you could walk. Um, I mean, it wasn't the most exciting gameplay, but I mean, you're not going to get that with a point to click adventure. Uh, yeah, then you had obviously paced games definitely but um yeah they're slow burners but i mean that doesn't take away from the it, it is what they are yeah um then you obviously you had your inventory um and all your items which you could combine and you could when you were talking to someone you could talk to them about each item you have and i actually love that the fact that like you know they're you, you know you could like show every character you talk to all the things you've picked up and get them to yeah. comment on them yeah and like, I, I remember like you know when you're in hotel ubu it's like a particular line when like you're showing her the handkerchief of the clown's makeup yeah and she's like do you want me to dispose it of for you <laughs> you know it's like you know why like why are you showing this person this this um napkin but um yeah that's i really love that about it and um what was i gonna say um they had similar things with the, the lipstick as well like i remember that if you like showed was that i mean that was the second broken story or if you show the lipstick, you're like, yes, it's a very nice color. It's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, yeah, you remind me now that the, do you know, do you remember the name of the voice actor for George, Rolf something? Oh yeah, it was Rolf. I can't, I can't think. I of can't it. remember his name. Sorry guys. But um, apparently when he, he, he wanted, he was chosen to do the voice and um, they sent him the script and it was like a hundred pages. And he was like, my God, like, you know, this is, this is crazy. And um, Rolf Saxon, says, sorry. 
Rob Saxon, yeah. And apparently Cecil was like, Well, that's the first third of the first half of the game. <laughs> and like and like the, the script uh, turned out to be like more than six hundred pages. Wow, really? Yeah, which is just insane. I'm sure like, you know, for voice actors, they probably weren't used to doing that level of, you know, uh voice acting in a game. But George George's voice is one of those like I it's so so memorable, it's so unique, you know. I think if I heard it anywhere else, I'd instantly know that it was that guy, you know. Yeah, and what's quite good about it is it's not, I don't know, it's it's just, it's really suitable to the character. Like, it, it's not this mad kind of silly one that you're like, oh, that's a bit odd. Like, it doesn't seem out of place for the character. But yeah, it's memorable. Yeah, exactly. And I also love how George uh, wears the same clothes no matter where he is in the world. <laughs> he travels to all these countries and he wears the same suit and not only that like he gets this like drain you know you pick up a drain with this kind of you know the oh, big yeah. kind of long metal stick yeah 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 and he carries that in his pants like all yeah. over the world and it's like this huge piece of metal it's brilliant <laughs> yeah, it did, I mean it, we were saying it was a bit more ground, it grounded in reality than Monkey Island but it, it definitely had a laugh with itself as well it's, you know yeah. the physics yeah. and how things worked and I remember as a kid um when we play actually you know this game is something that we shouldn't have really not that we shouldn't have played as young but we really didn't understand all the kind of like the templars and everything that they were talking about you know yeah, it's just like i remember going around with my friend glenn at the time and like oh let's have a point to click adventure day and like <laughs> we just walked around trying to find things and the first thing we found was like a rope <laughs> it's like who finds a rope on a piece of ground like in a circle like you know <laughs> brilliant really for a good uh, game as well <laughs> like yeah. yeah exactly so unfortunately the rest of the adventure didn't turn out like broken sword but you know <laughs> we had to go home and have dinner but that was probably as exciting as it got but um yeah so that that that's pretty much the gameplay um elements yeah. of it um i don't know do we want to go quickly through the story what do you think is that um maybe very loosely i actually want to say one interesting thing about the box art so do you remember the box art yes 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 so it was that guy with the eyes that were looking you know at the directly at the camera and stuff like that and they had like some templar kind of seals and stuff uh, on it and um, yeah you know who the guy in the front is no in fact i thought it had nothing to do with the game at all go on it doesn't he is a criminal on death row right before he was going to be executed Oh and my God! They don't even—they don't know his name, or at least they didn't when you, they were given the the talk about it. And um, it was just meant to be. Just they thought they, his eyes said so much in it, probably because he was a man who was meant to die. You know? And oh my God, that's yeah. so grim, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the thing. They just—they thought it was just a an amazing look. Uh, so that's what that's what they made the uh, the image of. Wow. And actually, now that you mentioned that, do you know that they had a lot of different box arts for this game in, in, in different countries? Do you know what it was called in the US, this game? Oh, uh, Circle of Blood. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like some American marketing guy, hey, a broken start isn't going to work, guys. Uh, <laughs> how about Circle of Blood? <laughs> it's like, how does that fit into the story in any way? Like, you know, Oh, I thought it was called broken sword circle of blood. I mean, it no. wasn't at all. No, it's just oh. called circle of blood. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it sounds kind of cool guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's just like the box that is just this gargoyle, you know, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it's quite Parisian, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how does this kind of things work because apparently Cecil was against it. It's like, well, it's your game. How come you don't have more say? Something to do with publishers or something. I don't know. Yeah. It gets it gets uh, quite tricky, you know, because I mean, it's like you know, yeah, maybe you make it, but somebody, you know, there's companies who are going to go and take that and put that, you know, they're going to look after their area and their localization and stuff like that because otherwise, not localization in the sense of what you need to do change the game itself but different mm. markets work differently like what's the price point of it where are you going to put it um mm. put in a, like you know when they were doing release the avengers uh films in, mm. over in the uk they had to call it avengers assemble because there was another film called avengers that was here it was like no one was going to mix them up but you know they still had to change it better to be safe yeah. yeah but um this this game as we said like it got great reviews but it was also a real you know commercial success Big and time. apparently it, it marked the first time that revolution software received royalty payments on a game i don't really know how royalty payments on a game work do you so i think the idea is once again it depends on how you kind of sell the game whatever because sometimes you can so if you imagine it with, with music, maybe it's a bit easier to understand. So sometimes an artist will like make an album, make a song or whatever. And then if they if they make that with a record label where they're brand new, the record label will go, here is the money for you to write these albums, we'll put it out, we'll pay for the music video, we'll do whatever. This money is a down payment for what you make. And when they're new Oh, okay. They're like, great. And then the, the idea is if they're new and they're not going to be big, they get paid money even if it doesn't really do that well. But if the thing sells out like mad, they don't get the rights to it. They don't own it. So mm. this is kind of something that happened a bit, or well, going a bit horrible and a bit grim for a while. Um, with Kesha, the artist, remember she had some... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...sexual assault from her um, manager. And she wasn't able to leave the thing because her and she would be able to like leave the, the the label and perform her own music because it was owned by the record label and she would her name it's not a real name it's got like the dollar sign in it for the s and stuff like that so she, mm-hmm. if she left that she wouldn't even be able to play her own singles or advertise as her own name so that's kind of what how it could work in the same way depending on what they sell and how they sell it mm-hmm. it depends on how much control they get now the bigger you are the more power you have the more control you'll have. It's actually why Prince changed his name to the artist formerly known. Yeah, I remember and the symbol. Yeah, I do remember that. But I just thought it was different with with the game. I mean, I don't know how you would work it with that, you know, because when I think of royalty payments, I think, oh, they're playing my song in a commercial or, you know, something like that. And I therefore get kickbacks. But for the game, I was like, you know, how does that work? It depends on like how many, you know, how many ones are sold and over a certain amount of it and stuff. And then what percentage whatever so sometimes like yeah it's when like uh, when a game is made for like one uh, console one platform and then it wants to go to pc later on they're like look this is a whole different thing so like a different mm-hmm. group generally it depends on, on the on who's making it we'll go look we'll do the port over and stuff like that we'll handle mm-hmm. where it's going to be and how it's going to be made and all this kind of stuff um and then they go and you know we'll pay you to do that and then we'll make the money we sell off that version except for if we make over whatever a million units, then we'll give you a certain percent of it and stuff. It, it, it's a legal deal. It depends on, it's so, it varies so much depending on, you know, what they sign and who's able to get the most demands out of it. Mm. 
Yeah. I get you. But anyway, it was, it was a huge, it was a commercial success. And as I said, I was surprised to hear that it sold more than The Curse of Monkey Island. I think it sold more than a million in total. Um, yeah. And it's had a lot of different remakes on a lot of different uh, platforms. Regrettably, the Game Boy Advance. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's just... It, oh, it's it terrible. Work. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Like, why bother, guys? You know, it's just seriously, it's like so graphic I mean, you know, so blocky. You can't even make anything out. Yeah, it's not the same game, um, yeah, so I, I'm not going to go into the big plot, but it basically, you know, the whole the gist of the story without me reading off anything is George is this American tourist in, in Paris and he witnesses this bombing of a cafe mm-hmm. uh, by a clown. Um, Nico is a reporter who's been trying to investigate this uh, uh, apparently assassin who is killing people mm-hmm. and dressing up in different costumes. Um, so they, they meet up and they basically try and find this guy, uh, which is how they eventually find out that there's a lot to do with the town blars and you know history and basically they're 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 trying to stop him and find the the items on this manuscript that they find before he does yeah um so yeah but um yeah really 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 good story really good characters really good graphics um where I, what what else could we say apart from the music what did what else did you want to talk about um i guess just uh, the comedy was kind of a main part of it, but just like, as you're saying, like this was kind of a bit of a slower kind of paced game, but I think part of the thing that carried it is I wanted to know all the funny lines he was going to say if yeah. I had to take out the wrong item at the wrong point because yeah. it kept it entertaining because it wasn't, because you know, if you imagine if it just said like, no, you can't use that here, it would have just been a thing of you going to every single item and clicking through all your inventory again and again. And that would have been boring. You know, it just would have been, you keep doing it until you get it right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, this was so clever because you have to look at things in a certain way and, you know, examine them in a certain way and do what I, and do things. Oh yeah. I just remembered this game introduced some things in an odd way. This is one of the first adventure games where the main character could actually die in it. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you couldn't die for ages. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. In the beginning. And then when it finally did, this annoyed some people, but it also kind of added a nice level of it, of, you know, risk that was involved in the game that wasn't there before. You're like, I didn't think I could do that, you know? And, and I guess it adds yeah. of a, a trill to it of, oh no, this actually might go wrong. Yeah, and some of the deaths in this were absolutely hilarious. I don't know if you remember where he's like spying on the Templars. Do you remember that one? I vaguely recall, yeah. And uh, you, you can actually just go right out and walk over to them. And you don't even see anything. You just hear him talking. And, and he's like, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, I'm, I'm making a citizen's arrest. And he's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like now you, you, all you can put, it, put down your guns and like, you know, just stop that. <laughs> and like, you just, the next scene, you just see this guy burying a grave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I just love so much. Like the humor in this was just, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. It's the first game that I remember as being funny. I think I played this before The Curse of Monkey Island. Yeah, um, I reminded anyway. Yeah, and um, I actually have a few of George's lines that I thought were particularly funny. Right. They're very, they're very short. Um, so I'll play a couple of them now and uh, see if you remember them. Okay. She was a cheery old soul, the kind you'd walk across the street to avoid. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. Okay. okay, so here's another. The sergeant was a scrawny man in his 50s who resembled a constipated chicken. 
if you put constipated and chicken in the same sentence, you know it's going to be funny. Um, here's another one. There was a nasty feeling in my guts I usually associated with light opera. <laughs> okay. The carpet seller looked craftier than the offspring of a fox and an insurance agent. <laughs> That's very okay. black out Yeah, it is. Um, this is another one. I couldn't think of anything to do with the statue, apart from scaring small children with it. <laughs> um, this I, I have a couple of longer ones. This is this kind of shows like the characters in it that I thought were really funny. This um this is a scene where if you remember where he goes into he's in Spain and he's trying to go into the mansion and there's the gardener that there's like constantly blocking his access to the owner. Yeah, I think I remember, yeah. And he's in the kitchen and George is just um He's kind of, he's, there's a suit of armor there and uh, he decides that he's going to try and hide behind it. <laughs> um, I, I just found this very funny and I'll explain it as we're going. The armor was about my size. I had a mental vision of putting it on and clanking off to see the countess with the gardener hanging hopelessly on the outside trying to stop me. Apart from being stupid and unworkable, <laughs> it was a great plan. <laughs> now, it, this is it, that isn't over there. Now, what he's going to do now is he's going to get the dogs so that they start barking and hear them there. And then he goes back to behind the suit to hide. And then yeah, like, he's yeah, right yeah. next to the gardener and waited for developments. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> you, I know you are there, American. <laughs> He's like, I hid behind the suit of armor and waited for developments. I know you are there, American. <laughs> and this is actually one of my favorite lines. Now, this goes on for about 30 seconds, I think. But this is one of my favorite characters. If you remember one of the locations was Syria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really like the characters there were just so rich and funny. And um, there's a part where I really enjoy where he's talking to the young kid. Do you remember that? No, not really. There's a little seller at the market and he's kind of like, um, he's talking to him, he's like, he's like, si vous play, uh, and he's talking to him in Spanish and English and French, you know, trying to see what language he speaks, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The kid answers him in all three languages and he's like, yeah, well, I speak them better than you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is a character from Syria. And just can I say, I love these kind of characters in real life. Um, uh, and you know they they definitely exist. So this is um, Ultar, the taxi driver from Syria. Any beneficent greetings, my most fortunate possible friend. Huh? Do I know you, Mister? <laughs> no, no. And again, I say no. But my friend, do you not see our mutual good fortune in this meeting? How frank do you want me to be? You are a traveler, yes? Boy, you must be the world's greatest detective. No, I am told that is Sherlock Holmes of the big forehead and slipper full of shag. I, as contrast, am world's greatest luxury taxi driver. I can see where this is going. I am Ultar, taxi driver and luxury guide per excellence, yes? This I had to hear. Where does your heart Desire to go. Simply mention the name to your obedient servant and we shall fly there, swift as the eagle. Oh, well, I don't really want to leave Marib yet, but I'm sure that if I do, you'll be the first to know. He's good. 
<laughs> I like my most fortunate friend. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It's, um, like they could have, you know, because the device, if that's somebody for him to get from one place to another, and they create that character for it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's brilliant. It's just, you know, that's what makes yeah. it so memorable. I love those hawkers in real life. You know, they, they'd convince you that, like, you know, we went to college together. Don't you remember me? <laughs> you know, they're just like, <laughs> you'll say anything to get a sale, you know, um, which, which you have to admire. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the voice acting was something that was just, you know, really funny, really good, like the, the, the wackiness of it. And I, I really enjoyed the locations as well. And of course, our, our yeah. very own home of Ireland. Um, yes. And it, it wasn't too stereotypical, even though the only uh, environment really was a pub. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it was drawn by an Irishman, so. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, and then Syria, and then you had Paris, and you had Scotland, which um, all really lovely um, locations to be in. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, like, we can't really be annoyed if we're like, oh, isn't this a stereotype brand and stuff like that when like, they've got like the gendarme and stuff like that in the Parisian cafe and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, true. Same true. kind of thing. Uh, well, all right, do you want to talk about the music then? I assume you're a huge fan of it. I, I am a huge fan of it. And what they also did in this game, which, was like, uh, which wasn't like any other game that I'd played before, was the fact that there was cues, you know, um, as, you, yeah. ex- as you examined an item or as you picked it up or as you had a revelation about how you're going to use it, there was music to, to, to accompany that. And that was, that's something that was really like strong in my memory. It was like, you know, grabbing an item and then you just hear like these strings going up. Yeah, like yeah. you know, it was it was just really it was so rich and so exciting and beautiful music. Um, the music was done by uh, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but I'll try. It's Barrington uh, Phelan. Oh, yeah. uh, not to be confused with Lei Wulan. Oh God! Huh? <laughs> that was shite. <laughs> Two weeks in a row I've done that now. That was shocking. <laughs> Fei Long, Lu Wang, Wu Long. I know, I know. There's zero connection. <laughs> Sounds like it. Anyway, uh, apparently, Side Social Cecil. And by the way, it's been a real struggle for me not to say that every time you've said Cecil. So just so you know, that's probably why I was laughing in the background because I was I thinking, will I, say it? will I say it here? <laughs> <laughs> but I but I restrained. Anyway, apparently um, Cecil played cricket with um, Barrington. And who calls their son Barrington? By the way, I mean, <laughs> it's a bit, Barrington. I mean, how would you? Uh, that's what, how I'd be saying it every time. I mean, just what's short for? Oh, I was going to call him Bar. Barry. Probably. Baz. Yeah. All right. Uh, Baz. I love Baz Ashmoey. You know they the called um, Barack Obama Barry. Really. What's his nickname? It's Barry. Oh, never knew that. Um, but what was I saying? Yeah. So Barrington was is, was an Australian. Um, unfortunately, he is passed now as well. Huh. Um, yeah, a couple of people in making this game have passed, and I suppose you think about it now, it's it's a pretty long time ago. Um, yeah. Even looking at pictures of Cecil now, he's kind of older looking. No offense. Yeah. Um, like forty years ago. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 30, so, uh, 30 years ago. Yeah, you forget how long how long ago it is. And actually, this is what I touched upon last week. When you have this style of a game, you could play this now, couldn't you? You really could yeah. play it now. Yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. there's not many games you could play from this time 
um, now still because you're so used to better graphics. But that's the charm of cartoon graphics as well is that they never really age, you know. Um, the thing about it is that it was the gameplay of it was puzzle mechanics. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know there was nothing about um, well generally there wasn't really an issue, but like an input delay that would be frustrating or, or you know being limited in you know what you could do. Maybe a bit annoying if he slowly walked across the screen, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, and actually, do you know the director's cut of this game? Yeah, um, yeah, they cha- yeah, well, they changed a couple of things in it, and some of them I was really surprised. They actually went backwards on. But, like, a couple of the things that they did was that they allowed you to exit an area quickly, you know, rather than having to walk across it. Right. Um, and a lot of times when you're on the phone to Nico, um, it would go to a separate screen whereas they changed it to like small little windows in the top of the corners. But they got a new artist to do some of the artwork of the characters as you were talking up close. And a lot of them don't look like the originals at all. Really? And yeah. And apparently it was an artist that worked on some of, you know, the guy who does, um, what's his name? Uh, Viva Vendetta, Alan Moore, I think. Some oh, of his art. Yeah, he was somehow involved with his some of his artwork, and but anyway, I really wasn't impressed by it. And there's also a really lovely um, chess puzzle in this game. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, where you you have to basically get the other side into a position of checkmate. And in the original, it was like really detailed pieces, like yeah. hand drawn, and there was a beautiful music behind it. And for the remake, it was just like this. It was like literally like, you know, a, an iPad game where you just have this site, the, the pictures drawn on, like the pieces drawn from an above head uh, right. view. Right. I, I cannot fathom why they changed that. Maybe it, two people found it complicated on how uh, to work it out. You know what I mean? It was gorgeous, though. It was really beautiful to look at. But um, yeah, so they didn't get all, all those things right. But I think there's been a couple of re-releases. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. The the music of this game, I really, really love. Um, I have a couple of pieces here by um, Barrington that I'm going to play. Yeah. Um, so the first one is Rue Guerry. Um, and I'm going to pronounce all the French names like this. So Good. prepare yourselves. You all right, so here we go. isn't it yeah it is really nice it's like it's more like a a score than for a game isn't it yeah yeah it is but i think it it goes along what we were saying of the idea of it just being this sort of comfortable relaxing place to be you know what i mean yeah yeah there's no rush in it and and i mean that's that goes with the game because i think for like a lot of this game if it had like a big actiony sort of music to it but you were just like slowly walking around chatting to people and looking at things it might you know might make you feel a bit rush or might be a bit jarring and everything so i guess mm-hmm. you're gonna be like you're going to be in the screen for a while so get comfortable with it yeah exactly and i will actually before i forgot to say that barrington uh, Feilong, he also wrote uh, the theme theme tune to uh, inspector morse and that was what he was best known for um, oh, so i've never seen it yeah I th- i've seen it once or twice but um apparently he he was quite well known for, because of that okay so uh song number two is uh Musée Rune. actually let me try that again try that again Musée Rune. <laughs> that's no better anyway here's the song <laughs> <laughs> 
isn't it? Yeah. And okay, number three is Nico's apartment. Sorry, people. You remember that one, don't you? Yeah, I do. I remember the, the location as well because I think um, it, it was kind of the point when the game really started to sort of wrap up a bit, you know? Not wrap up a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it really started to accelerate. Get into it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always remember that street with the flower cellar outside her apartment and stuff. Yeah. And it had a lot of little kind of, you know, you could learn a lot from the characters. I remember the woman outside, like she's a psychic or something, but she talks about how she hears Nico crying at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, apparently it's to do with the fact that her dad was killed. Apparently it's something to do with the Templars as well. There's apparently a hint towards it. But yeah, yeah, I just thought that that level of depth for a character, you know, is really, it's sweet, but it's also like, you know, it's slice of life completely, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, also with the, um, with the size of the script that you were saying, whatever, like they use that well to develop, you know, things about it. Like, you know, we, we know the kind of way that George Stobart thinks and the way he would handle certain situations or whatever. And same thing as with, with everybody else, which makes them feel a lot more real, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, but obviously just part of the charm of the game. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to play it now as, as, as an adult as well, again, just to kind of pick up on yeah. all the things that I was too young to before. But this is, next one is Club Alamut from Syria. So I really love this one. I really love some Arabic music. So cool. It's um, it's all really atmospheric, but I must say, I don't have the same affection for this kind of music as I have done for some of the other games we've done. Yeah. For, oh, what you mean? The music for the game so far? Um, no, for, for, the, for like, uh, the last kind of games we've done, I've always been like, they've just seemed to have resonated with me a lot more than, than these ones. I don't know. Maybe I just like... Yeah, I, I, it's a different... Yeah, it's a different kind of music, I guess. I guess the other song is kind. Of, the other songs of the last games are kind of more like theme tunes, almost. You know. Yeah. Um, whereas this is kind of like a score for a movie, you know. Um, yeah. But, well, I think that, like the, you know the the dialogue was kind of the most important part of the audio of this game. So yeah, you know, you you don't really except for like when you said the musical cues, which was really good, which is a really nice way that you know you're onto something. Um. Mm except for that the music was just meant to kind of give you an atmospheric feel which it does really well yeah um, it, it work uh, yeah I, I know what you mean as standalone pieces i probably wouldn't be like you know oh yeah that's amazing but like when i think of it i see the pictures in my head of where it was yeah. you know and that's probably where the affection comes from and that's probably um, exactly what these were meant to do as well yeah exactly and uh, okay so i don't have many more. i have three more so this is uh villa of the vasconcelos in espana so here we go
Okay. Um, okay, so next one I'm going to play is our very own Emerald Isle. Not yes. sure how Irish it is, but uh, look, we'll see what you think. I, I think he's hasn't quite got Irish music almost there, but you know. I mean, except for the drums, it sounds like a sea, a sea shanty. Yeah. So I mean, real Irish music, like real real Irish music, is fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. In limited amounts, I did go to a wedding once in West Clare, where <laughs> the music all night was Irish music, not one other song. Other than Irish music, I mean, by the end you had such a headache. I just wanted to leave. I mean, I'm not good at social events anyway, so I always want to leave. But this, I mean, even Anya wanted to leave, so you know. I think um, I used to really have not like tried music, but I mean, there's some bits of it which um, my listener, it's really, really good. It's it's like no, and I know he's not your traditional trad, but it's like Damien Dempsey is unbelievably good. He is. He's extremely talented. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, mixes up kind of that, um, you know, some trad uh, influences with, you know, the type of music which he's a, a big fan of, you know. Yeah. And actually, that's, that's an, I love, I love music that's really atmospheric to a country. Irish music is one. Like you're saying, Arabic music is another. Actually, I remember when I was in um, Lebanon the second time, we were like in this restaurant and like apparently Lebanon's biggest uh, pop star was there. Really? We were ha- yeah we were having lunch with um this bank manager a relationship manager like you know you go and they're like try and schmooze you buy you a nice lunch and blah 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 and uh like as he was walking by she just stood up like in mid 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 conversation with us and she was like oh I-, I have to go and like she stood up and like asked for a picture with him like you know <laughs> uh and i was listening to the music on spotify and it's damn good so you know i it's forgive you dima it sounds like an episode of like a uh, Seinfeld where like George goes and sits down with friends, the Lebanon's greatest pop star. <laughs> yeah, I know. And apparently, like when I went back to the office, I was like, "Who is this guy?" Like, you know. And then like they <laughs> showed, and they turned their laptop. I was like, "Is this was this him?" I said, "Yes, yes, he's Lebanon's biggest pop star." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Um, okay, so the last song I have is from Hotel Ubu. It is a piano piece. Um, I think you probably remember this one. It's probably my favorite. Um, so here we go. Cool. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I really like that. Um, you know, that kind of reminds me of like if you ever go traveling around to um, in well, I know from like Asia in particular, uh, like if you're in like a fancy hotel, and yeah, you know, it's just like you buy you know European prices, it's quite cheap, and they've just got like somebody there playing the piano, and yeah. And I feel so bad because nobody's sitting there paying attention to them. And it's just like, I, this is amazing. <laughs> this person is unbelievable. And they're just there I in know. the lobby, you know? 
I'm the same. And whenever I'm like there, I feel like I have to stay and clap for them, you know, because yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's horrible when someone's not getting any, you know, feedback and they're like performing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was played by Lady Piamont in the reception, in the lobby of the hotel. Um, oh, it was yeah. actually one of my, I really like her. She's a really good character. Um, yeah. So did you have anything else you wanted to say about this game before we move on to, as usual, the best part of this podcast, which is the quiz? I wanted to discuss some of the controversy. Oh, controversy. Go ahead. The controversy of the goat puzzle. Ah, has its own Wikipedia page, I believe. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know, um, this game in general is a you know puzzle game and stuff like that. And there was one puzzle in particular that was caused a lot of trouble. Um, and it was similar to what they did with the... Um, with the debt kind of in this game where they introduced a new kind of dynamic that they didn't have at any other point in the game. Um, so yeah, people were just like, how was I kind of meant to know? And when talking about it, Cecil said he did this because people would complain they'd finished the game too quickly and it wasn't good because they got people who knew about point and click games and they knew how to play them. And they would say it was too short and it was too easy and then, so they put something in that would give them a bit of a challenge, but then normal yeah, people who hadn't really played these kind of games before would be like, this is, you know, completely impossible. And the thing was, you had to go and pick up an item, but every time you went near it, you got gored by a goat, which, by the way, <laughs> is a mechanic you would put in every game. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> It'd have to make a sound as it was doing it as well. It was yeah. nice. <laughs> and just like repeatedly the exact same thing and what you had to do was after when you got gored you got knocked to the ground and then while on the ground you had to click uh, and you only had that short time when you're on the ground to interact with something whereas at every other point in the game it wasn't dependent on something that short term that kind of it was the result of getting something wrong to fix something you know yeah that's where yeah. the problem came from so people didn't understand it but um, he said it was sort of intentional. They knew it was quite difficult, but they wanted it to to be there for people who thought the games were too easy. Yeah, and did you hear the story about Cecil in the taxi? I don't think so. And apparently he was like, um, on I don't know, was he going for work, but he was in another country and he got in a taxi and he was talking to the taxi driver and he was just like, taxi driver was like, oh, you know, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I make video games, you know? And he's like, oh, all right, okay. And he said, and he was like, um, well, what video game is it? And he's like, oh, look, you wouldn't know it, you know? Um, but he's like, oh, no, no, try me. And he's like, oh, so it was a game called, uh, the biggest one was a game called Broken Sword. And like, apparently the taxi driver nearly stopped the taxi. He turned around and was like, you're the one who did that effing uh, goat puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> That's how famous it was, you know? It's brilliant. I mean, I've seen in those lists of like, you know, uh, you know, controversial gaming moments and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. Imagine um, you know, making the game and that's what you're known for. And I'm like, oh, I love that game. It's like, you piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. It was like a random person in a taxi almost stopping his taxi. Like, you know, he's, you know, that he's still that angry about it. Like, you know. Glaring <laughs> at him in the rear view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm letting you off here. Um, boy, I thought that was, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, the puzzles were obviously like, you know, a really big part of this game. And I think most of them made sense. Do you remember that puzzle where you had to get the key of the guard do you remember that one yeah yeah and so he, he the key was actually on the keys for the toilet as well like he had them on one keychain 
So like you'd ask him for the keys for the toilet and give you the whole keychain. Yeah. And then you yeah, could yeah. you couldn't take the key off. Um so you had to like copy it in the soap and then put plaster in it. And then you had to like colour it with a paint to make it look like the real thing and then put it back on the keys and then make sure he's wearing gloves. You turn up the the the, the cold so he's wearing gloves so you won't be able to feel the difference in the key, <laughs> stuff uh-huh. like that. You know, which is really like intricate, but um you know, I, I one of those ones that I did enjoy. It was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, that's what makes it. That is exactly what makes it fun because you sort of feel like you're actually solving this case. Then you know what I mean, and you know you're dealing with it in ways that it's not the most kind of standard thing. Because bringing in all these other things of well, what if I did have a key that was made of soap or whatever? How would it feel and everything? And you know, yeah, exactly. You know, it does does thought into it. Um, but yeah, I I I wish they would. You know. I wish they'd have stuck with 2D because I did play the ones after in 3D and I just didn't like them. This is but, the thing. I didn't actually realize there was five of them. Yeah, five, yeah. Seven. And they crowdfunded for the last one, I think. And yeah, and it hit the target. But I think, um, I, I believe the last one actually is the worst rated. Yeah. And actually, uh, something that I learned about Cecil that made me not like him is the fact that he apparently was, he had like a group, like, you know, uh, people in the company. And then he decided to let everyone go and then only hire people on contracts, like, you know, as they're making the games in the future. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Kind of like, you know, what I else? Mean, that's a lot of, I mean, that's not gray. Um, that's, that's a bit of a, uh, uh, it's a bit of a cultural kind of thing. I think it's a bit of a government thing as well. You know what I mean? Like, mm. Well, you have that in your industry now. Everyone's pretty much on contracts. I mean, it's yeah. rare to get. Yeah. Like yeah. I know who worked for the same company for, you know, three or four years straight basically um and it's freelance um and it means that people don't get holiday pay they don't get sick pay they don't get whatever the thing is and part of it is because when they're working for like a film or a tv show they will set up a fake company for not fake company they'll set up a, a company and be like oh this is the one looking after a tv show and oh this doesn't have all that money it doesn't really exist so we're not doing you know taking you on yeah. whereas actually you go up to the top and it's something like universal or you know warner brothers yeah yeah exactly they're billions and billions and billions and they make the same stuff every all the time but they just don't want to um they just don't want to pay for stuff when they don't have to um and you kind of need unfortunately you kind of need labor laws to protect people from that because uh, you know you're up to a company to decide that they're going to look after their profits Mm. but it takes away from the heart of a company as well like you know because if you have people working together for a long time and you know they're friends like it's more like a family you know and um yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and you just get contractors in as you need them you know this the soul is kind of gone but listen you do what you want charles you know um but okay so now anything else before we start the big quiz at? no i'm ready i'm ready for this okay. quiz again. all Boy, right it'll do terrible in i haven't played a broken sword game in quite some time <laughs> No, I'm giving you multiple choice this time. Brilliant. I'm all in. Okay, so. Test your might. I'm trying to buy a tap and die and some WD-40. <laughs> okay. You ready? Where are you getting these? <laughs> Where is your library of Hank Hills? <laughs> I cannot reveal my sources. Okay, so as you've as you've alluded to earlier in the game, early in the podcast, um, George uh, Stobart, I almost said Costanza. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. A point and click game with George Costanza. <laughs> okay, as you've alluded to, 
Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, we should do that. We have yeah. no skills in game production, but, you know. It's like, you know, he looks at the pretzels. He's like, these are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stand you. Okay, so as you've alluded, George Stobart can die in this game. But how many times can he die in how many different ways? Ooh. Is it three, four, or eight? Four. Eight. Really? Wow. Yes, yes. Uh, I, off the top of my head, I remember that it was, you can die by the two goons outside. Um, yeah. They can kill you actually in three different places. Uh, in the museum, they can kill you, and then they can also kill you underground. And um, then you have, you can die on the train in two different ways as well. If you fall off, um, then you can die with uh, the guy shooting in the train. Then you can die when you in, uh, interrupt the Templars, and then you can die by can. Yeah, so, I, I recall the end having quite a few. Um, yeah, ways, yeah, particularly associated with you know when you're when you're getting like pretty close to the Templars and stuff, and you know the the, the underground cult kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So, uh, question number two. What is the name of the Irish pub in this game? Is it McDonough's, McDevitt's, or McDermott's? I'm going to say McDermott's. Oh. It's McDevitt's. Is it? I tell you for the end because the second captain's. <laughs> no, I knew that was wrong. So that's two out of three wrong. Damn it. Um, okay, so actually, I thought that I had made this multiple choice, but I haven't. So you have to tell me. You you did it. <laughs> uh, oh no, actually, no, I do have it. I do have it here. Yeah. Um, okay, what is the name of the costume shop? Is it Au Fond du Mer, La Russe du Monde, or Tout est un Renouille? God, I could not have less of an idea. <laughs> First one. <laughs> That's three wrong. Um, okay, so I, and by the way, people who are French will know what those, I made up two of those lines, so. <laughs> I have a feeling you know. <laughs> Well, like, the first one was actually the name of the place that we stayed for our honeymoon. Um, which I think is like House by the Sea. But anyway, you look up the third one, Yusuf, you'll, you'll find that entertaining. Yes. Um, okay, so I have another one. This one is in the multiple choice. Um, what is the fake name that Khan gives Lady Piermont when he's trying to seduce her? I don't know. I do not know. I'll give you a clue. It's a wizard's name. Merlin. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> well that was a big clue um, okay so you know what time it is now bonus since I'll be the only one who knows what really happened I'll have more bargaining power when it comes to discussing my bonus thanks again Nikolai that's right it's the bonus round you need a shorter uh, buzzer for bonus <laughs> well try and find an audio with bonus in it it's rare I was actually originally looking for Mario going bonus but I couldn't find it and if I told, no, I don't know. Toad says it. Uh, yeah, so Meyer doesn't say it. <laughs> well, he does somewhere. Right. Anyway. Sure. Anyway. Okay. So in Syria, uh, in order to get Ultar to take you in his taxi, 
you have to give him fifty dollars and also find his long lost what? Ooh. Cat. No, it's his toilet brush. God damn it. And do you remember where you find it? No. The kebab seller, he's like glazing his kebabs with the toilet brush. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just thought was absolutely fantastic. That would be a horrible thing to glaze something with. Absolutely, wouldn't it? I mean, well, I mean even if it wasn't a toilet brush, the, you know, the bristles, it's all wrong. Yeah, I know. But I suppose they were going for the stereotypical, you don't know where that meat's come from abroad yeah. kind of shtick. Um, right. But yeah, um, all in all, um, I absolutely love this game. Uh, ratings, what would you give it, you suck? I think I'd give it a... a 85% or 8.5 okay and I would give it 90 between 91 and 92 I'll go I'll go I'm feeling generous I'll go 92 very good now before you get too smug I have a quiz for ye (laughs) robots don't say ye I was thinking uh, so part of uh, the lovely gift I got from Sarah was a 300 video game trivia card quiz. I and, should have that. I'm the quiz master. Right now I'm going to ask you all 300. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to go through. So I've picked a few of them. Right. I'm going to ask you some uh, some questions about them. Right. So are you ready? All right. Okay. In which game series might you play as Harry Tipper? Sergeant Cortez or a giant gingerbread man? I have no idea. Monkey Island. No, Time Splitters. Time Splitters? Yeah. Do you remember we oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was okay. It was a great game, Time Splitters 2. Good fun. What is the name of Cuphead's brother? I don't know what Cuphead is. See, I, I, part of the reason I put I brought this in is because I had a feeling you didn't know who Cuphead is. Well, do you have a guess if his name is Cuphead? Toaster Toe. No. <laughs> Toaster Toe. Mugman. PT goes with toast. Okay, yeah. Now, I, I had a feeling you had a bit of this game, but I wanted to give you this one because I think you would love Cuphead because okay. it's an indie made hand-drawn animated uh, game of a like side-scrolling running gun so it's a throwback to those old games right mm-hmm. um it's kind of like disney style art style the, re- the real old kind of one um mm-hmm. and it's just basically a very very difficult game i think you would really like it okay cool yeah have a look at it for that you can get somewhere have a, have a google when you when, when this is over okay. okay with over 155 million units sold what is the best-selling home console of all time? The Wii. I'm afraid not. No. PlayStation 2. Oh, okay. What was the final home console released by Sega? It was Saturn. It was the Dreamcast. Really? Oh, okay. Jeez, I always mix those two up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you're doing shite. Uh, yeah. Sure am. 
but I did show it as well, so that's fair enough. Introduced in 1997, what is the name for the series of PlayStation controllers capable of providing vibration feedback? The first vibrating controller, what was it called? DualShock. Yes. That's a very easy question. Well, I mean, you the rest. still call it DualShock. Yeah, we got the rest wrong, so, you know, I had to give you one. Uh, okay. Now, I don't know if you've played this game either. PT was a playable teaser for which cancelled video game? Silent Hill? Yes. Woohoo! Very good. I don't have any sounds, so I'll just clap for you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, you got the Bowser sound. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> Um, yeah did you ever play uh, PT I did yeah did you like it I think I did is that the one where you're in a room you're like in a hallway you keep going yeah yeah. yeah that, I thought that was Hideo Kojima's game yeah, well, it, was, it was meant to be his uh, his version on the Silent Hill oh yeah yeah, yeah I game. remember that and then they deleted it and they, they did like, I think they deleted it off your console or something as far as I remember no, it's still there. It's like if you've downloaded it, if you have it, you have it, but it's deleted from the store, so you can't get it anymore. Uh, okay. Actually, that's something that I liked about the Resident Evil 3 was the first-person perspective at the start. Yeah, very... You need, you need to play Resident Evil 7. It couldn't be more you. Did you play it? No. I think it's too <laughs> scary for me. How do you know it's too, it couldn't be more me? Because I've seen... Because I know you. I know you like goat-goring jokes. Uh what does that have to do with Resident Evil? Because I, that's a very niche thing I know you like. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I, I saw like a full like playthrough of it and stuff like that. This was before, is when my PlayStation wasn't here. So I mm-hmm. knew I was going to get to play it. So I watched the thing of it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's quite scary uh, looking. Um, it's first person. It very much goes back to the old um, horror kind of style game. Um, yeah, I think you'd really like yeah. it. Yeah. I don't like scary well. things. I yeah okay you play i will v- i'll try <laughs> say again you should play in vr you'd be so scared there's no way i'm playing that in vr i would not play that in vr for nothing it's like it's like photo real and you'd like look around the corners and stuff in the with the vr headset mm. i was disappointed with uh with the vr i mean i remember at the start i was really excited and telling you it's a future video games and i thought it was but like the, but there's just a lack of really good content on it. The only really good game I played on it was Res, which was re- extremely immersive, um, which is basically like a video game to do with music. Yeah, um, it, I mean, I never really got for. I mean, VR kind of makes me feel sick. Yeah, it does. See, the thing is, to get the ones that don't make you sick, you have to have you have to pay like a lot of money, a lot of money, and right. it basically tracks your eye movement and adjusts it in such a way that you're not going to get motion sickness. Right, right, right. Which is yeah, which indeed tech technically don't really get. But I heard that if you turn a fan on, it helps you. Right, um, you like placement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did get I did get a bit sick, and I even got the gun. Like there was this game, but I never even played it. it just wasn't fun. Oh, right. um, okay, so actually, before we go, I I actually have uh, we have a question. No, we don't. We do. Really? Yeah. Now it's taken eight weeks, probably longer, for someone to finally send us a question. So you know, shame on you. First Thank off, you for send- <laughs> I'd like to say that we did four episodes before we put any of them out. <laughs> Well, yeah. 
Okay. And we're also we're, we're a week behind because we didn't put out the Final Fantasy episode because you were so miserable on it. Yeah, true. Someone send a question, please. Right. Someone listen. That isn't me and Yusuf and, and help us. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This comes from a Mr. Norman podcast. All right. It says, it says Dear Newman, what do you think? Or what do you feel? How do you feel about the fact that Yusuf had time to write a question into another podcast and didn't even fake one into his own? I'm referring to Andrew and Terry Simpson podcast, put it in H, the Marvel uh, version. Oh, I'd feel shit about it, Norman. Yeah. I mean, if he has the time to invest into someone else's podcast, you think he could at least pretend to do something on ours. But no, no. Norman, I'd like to ask that with a, answer that with a different kind of question. If you were so upset, Norman, about the lack of questioning, why did it take you having to hear me write in a different question before you wrote in a question? I don't know what you're talking about. Norman isn't here, so, you know... I'll oh, back. I think Norman is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, listen, I'm glad you found time to write that question in. I did hear that. So, okay. you know. Good, good. Yeah, so listen, that's all we have time for this week. I really love this game. Um, I enjoy talking about it very much. Um, I guess we'll be back next week, possibly. Yeah. Who knows? If we don't get any more listeners or questions, there may never be another podcast. I mean, so, you're trying to make sad of it that if no one's listening or asking questions, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> but if you are listening, please send a question. You're gonna call uh, your boss. <laughs> yeah, possibly. So yeah, um, thank you, uh, Yusuf. Do you want to give out the email address? Yes. Um, thank you, Norman, for getting in contact. If uh, anybody else wants to, it is press the action button pod at gmail dot com. That's it, yeah. Um, so as we said, ev- everything welcome, apart from criticism. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listen, thanks, guys. Um, hope you're well, keeping safe, and we'll be back to normal uh, life soon, I'm sure. Yeah, so cool. until then, take care. Thank you, and bye. Bye.